Viewer discretion is advised. That's the last one. That never let excuses stop you. Our people are filled with excuses. I hear them all the time. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight, all the way from West Auckland, also representing South Auckland, we have a community leader, a motivator, and recently named officially New Zealand's Local Hero of the Year. Please welcome Dave Brown Butterbean Natelli. Yeah, 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 how did, how did it, for you, I think a lot of people may be really interested in, in this, in terms of how did you turn your life around? Because I know it wasn't always a bit of roses back in, back in the days. Um, yeah, look, I've had to rebuild a, uh, a couple of times in my life. Hopefully never again. But uh, I've had some really dark moments. Uh, I guess, you know, most people would know my father was the, the president of the Auckland chapter of the mob. And it's funny coming back to this studio and, and being on the street because, you know, when he was up to no good, uh, later in, I would have been in my 20s, we had a pro hydro shop just down the road there, just mm. next to the F45 over there. Yeah. Uh, we had two, two, two shops there. We had our bike shop just over here. And then we had a couple of warehouses uh, that were used to, you know, we had filled with cars on the street, you know, Lincoln's, Cadillac's. Range Rovers. At that time, I was driving around a Mercedes limousine, Damn. which screamed drug dealer. You know, I had no license. <laughs> and, wow. uh, yeah, you know, so it's crazy coming back to the street because, you know, we got up to it. It was a lot, lots of no good. Uh, and, you know, we were, had lots of material things here, but uh, there was, we talked about it with my dad earlier. You know, I, when you, when you do, when you get all these nice things that way, you never appreciate it because it, the money had, you know, blood on it. It didn't have sweat. Oh, wow. It didn't have sweat on it. It had blood. So you never really appreciate it. So, um, you know, I've been through a lot. And uh, in that life when my father, when he went away, when I was 21, and he's, he's gone away a couple of times, five years old for bank robbery, but I didn't understand it. I, you know, at five, you don't get it. All I remembered was um, uh, my mum coming home in a panic. It's always the woman... Uh, that are left to sweep up the mess that us mm. men uh, we create, you know, when we're in that life. And and I remember her coming panicking, and then I ended up moving to Australia with my, live with my my dad's parents, Samon, uh, Seventh Day Adventist. So obviously, anyone who's familiar with Seventh Day Adventist know it knows it's strict. And you add yeah, Samon yeah, to yeah, it, it's yeah. a thousand <laughs> times worse. <laughs> so, so I was raised True. in that, you know, and, and moved back here and. Uh, when my father got out and I never used it as an excuse uh, I didn't want to I hated being poor uh, but I never wanted to go down the route that my father and my uncle who was also a, a bank robber and a mongrel mob member I never wanted to go down that path so you know I did really well in school uh, you know past school C past sixth form and you know my grades in sixth form were good enough to get me to uni 
So I took seven form off and then uh, went and went to uni. And it's about all I did. I went there and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at twenty one, uh, my father decided that he was going to start growing marijuana and had warehouses and houses all over Auckland. Uh, I was working in one of the warehouses as like a security guard, but you know the type of security guard that doesn't call the police. You know we were there in case we got robbed, um, and you know. When I got a call from my mum to say, don't go to work because we've been raided, it's uh, the feeling that I got. It's something that I talk to youth about a lot because this, you know, we run youth youth courses and all this type of stuff. And this gangster life is just so often glamorised in mm. movies and uh, music and Instagram and all this stuff. And I can understand it because it, as a kid and you're in a living in a deprived area, if you don't have that, if you have no money, you're not good at school, you're not good at sport, you look around you, the only people with money are drug dealers and gang members. So that's what you have to aspire to. Mm. You know, there's no other role models that they can reach out and, and, and have any kind of you know connection with that are in the community, you know. So uh, I get it, you know. And uh, when he went away at 21, I fully understood the repercussions of his actions on us and especially on my mum and my two younger sisters. My uncle was already away, seven, 15 years in uh, Parry, uh, so he was gone. My dad's now gone, gone away again, so I was really worried for my mum. And that's one thing that they, they they don't tell you in the in the recruitment videos about that, yeah. going through that, mm. you know. And that you see the the glamour, but you don't see the pain, yeah. you know. So that's one thing I always talk about is that pain, everything that crime took from me, uh, took from my family. And you know, so I, I quit uni and I, I quit my other job that I had, and I ended up living in a tiny house in Mangere, uh, Plumley Cres. It's now a, a Grace Foundation uh, community home, so it's doing, um, you know, positivity now. But back mm. then it was, and it was a home, thirty six Plumley Cres. It was a home that was in our connected to our family uh, and connected to the mob for a long time, and it was like a halfway house. Just it was, you know. There was heaps of us there, me and my cousins and whoever wanted to stay there. Mm. Half the time we had no power. Um, you know, we were selling drugs to put the power on. And just doing whatever I could to build this reputation, what I thought was a reputation, so no one would come near my mum. Because mm. in that life, you know, you're left alone. No one was coming to make sure we were okay. And so, you know, I was just getting drunk and partying a lot and just doing, I would do anything for money. You know, that's it. I would, um, you know, I'd, I'd steal, I'd rob, um, you know, um, kidnap, whatever. I didn't care. I, I wanted to make money and I wanted to build a, a reputation, mm. um, which was just all full of crap, you know. But at the moment, at the time, I didn't think it was. And mm. I was just so angry. I was just so angry with the world, so angry with my father. And I had chips on both shoulders, you know, mm. and just... I was walking around like just with filled with rage and I hated my life um, and the, where I was found myself, you know, mm. and I got drunk one night and I came home and, uh, and I pulled, you know, I went into the kitchen and I, I pulled out a steak knife and I put it into my chest and I just remember waking up in hospital and my mum's there, she's crying and I just was like reassuring her, you know, don't worry, mom, I'm just drunk. Don't worry about it, you know. And then they bring in my dad and he's with two prison guards. I don't want to see him. And we only just re we only just recently started talking about this. He actually came on my radio show and I asked him, what did you feel like? 
when you came in to the hospital with prison guards to visit me after I'd done that to myself. And, you know, he asked me for my forgiveness. It's funny, you know, I really encourage everyone listening to make, to, to talk. Mm. We haven't talked. I'm 42 years old. We've, that was the first time we've ever discussed it. It was on my radio show, you know. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, it was quite tough. It was also healing for me. Mm. You know, he asked me for forgiveness. And we had a lot of work to do. We had a lot more talking to do. But at least we're on that path. Mm. Uh and I remember I just talked about I was at another talk before this, and I was I, I remember it vividly because I was on the doorstep of this tiny house in Mangere, and I I got released from hospital. I just told the psychiatrist what they wanted to hear, what she wanted to hear, and I got out. And I was sitting on the back doorstep, and I just you know I don't go to church, and I'm not religious, but I believe in God. I have faith, you know. And I just stared at the sky. I said, "Man, surely God, there's more yeah. for me than this." Wow. And I, I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't, you know, doing drugs, selling drugs, fighting and drinking all the time. I knew that wasn't me. I knew I was meant for more than that. And I got up and I, and I got up off that doorstep and I worked, you know. And I always encourage our people not to dwell at the bottom, you know, and feel sorry for ourselves and wait for the system to help us. Wow. If we're going to wait, at the, if we're going to wait for the system to help us, we're going to be waiting all our lives. Yeah. Oh, wow. you know? And so I got up and I worked, but, but. I was also very blessed that I had good family. I still had a good family. So when we think about what we see now and the people that we help in our food share and the wraparound services that we do in BBM, you know, they're coming from generations of, yeah, I don't know if I can swear, but gen yeah. gen generations yeah, yeah. of fucked upness. Yeah, you know, no. There's never been, they've never had, they've never seen success. Wow. They've never had anyone that's not been on the dole. You know, they've just um, only seen uh, violence, crime, and just um, people being losers. Yeah. You know, that's all they've seen. So at least with me, yeah, like my dad and my uncle went off, but I, they came from a good family still. Wow. You know, so I had a family that could support me and, and take me out of that situation. But I still had to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and from that doorstep, I ended up, you know, being... A, pretty successful league players you know i chased that dream for a long time and ended up you know owning businesses and making a lot of money and you'd think that was the happy ending but uh it wasn't you know <laughs> and i always will say you know i always wish people i wish i got taught in school basic money handling skills you can see yeah, yeah. when you see a lot of our people that mm. become successful and they have a lot of money and then you see them lose it. And you go, man, how did that happen? You know, like yeah, it's yeah. easy, man. Like, especially when you're Pacifica or Maori and you're very generous to your family, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. generous to anyone. And you, you know, you don't know what GST is, and you, you, yeah. you don't. I hope you boys know what GST is and <laughs> what income tax is. You know, um, make sure you pay your taxes. And, yeah. and you know, if you can't afford something, don't get it. You know, it's pretty mm. pretty simple. I had to learn that the hard way, and you know, I lost everything. And, and uh, I always say to parents to be careful what your kids see because you know although i never wanted to be like uh, my family my dad and my uncle but i saw it you know i saw what they did when times got tough i saw what they did for money and so i just dove head first into that life you know i never talk about it especially not on camera but <laughs> um you know i got involved in in um whatever i could to make money and uh you know as I always say in that life, you either end up dead or in jail. Mm. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle that I didn't end up in either a place. And, uh, but I, you know, I did end up with a gun to my head. Um, and, you know, I was in a warehouse by myself and I just thought, geez, uh, 
had like a moment you know, where God came into my life and just sort of changed the way I was thinking, you know, and, and I moved back here in February 2014 with not one cent and without my family. And, you know, to anyone out there that's going through struggle and especially financial struggle and you're thinking, oh man, if I can just go and sell this to make some money just quickly and then I'll get out, you know, just don't do it, you know, wow, yeah. uh, because just be happy, like, We've all been broke. We've come from there. Just go broke again, like, and still have yeah, your family, yeah, you know, because yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. All your like, we're all driven to give our kids material things when they don't really matter. It's nice to have material things. Don't get me wrong, you know, when you get it the right way. But your kids don't need it. All they need is you, yeah. and you being the best version of you. Your time, uh, that's what they need, you know, uh, and just be happy with that and rebuild. You know, I should have been happy with that, but everything I do, I have to learn the hard way. So, you know, I had to literally rebuild from there, from a bed I couldn't fit on, staring at the roof, thinking, fuck. Like, honestly. And the inner, Mike King talks about it a lot. Mm. The inner critic in all of us, we all have an inner critic. Mm. You know, and, and when you go through these tough times, your inner critic can be deafening. You know, and it was, for me, it was just so loud, you know, my, my head talk was just telling me, you fucking idiot, how did you fuck things up so badly? You had it all, and now you've got nothing. Look at you, you're useless, you know. Um, but I, I didn't listen, you know, and it's, uh, I, as I always say, you know, I never used it as an excuse to stop. I used it as fuel. It was my fuel to it just burned inside me. To what I wanted my kids back. I wanted my life back, and I'd do anything... Um, and I, uh, the right way, and that's what I did. I got up from that bed I couldn't fit on at my sister's house. I borrowed her car, borrowed twenty dollars petrol, and I went to One Tree Hill and, and and went for a walk. That's how my journey started. Wow, mm. wow. Yeah. that was crazy. Mm. What a crazy! Just the, the whole backdrop of, of of your of your life and how you turn it around. Oops. That's crazy. Um, but what, what do you say? Because some some men might be watching this and thinking, "Hey, but that's that's your story, David." That's you know, that's, and some of them might be broke. You're like, man, I'm broke. I, I need that money. What do you say to some of those those men who are like in the brink of, man, um, despair? Like, what do you say to those kind of guys? Like, well, that's, that's Dave's story. I don't know how to how to pick well, myself up. It's not up. just my story. It's our story. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it's I'm no different to what so many other pe of our people are facing. Anyone in deprived areas, we're all facing the same struggle. It's not just me. You yeah. know, it's, uh, anyone out there can identify with it. I'm just trying to tell you from my experience, it's not mm. worth it. Yeah, it is not worth Dave. it. I'm just, I'm telling you, mm. it's not. Yeah. Uh, I, man, you know, uh, I went through so much pain. And when I, you know, just have, hold your family tight and understand that's what's important. Just get your money the right way. Go, you know, I'd work any job. I'd do whatever. I've cleaned toilets. I've, um, you know, had to weed gardens and cemeteries. Um, you know, pick up rubbish, whatever it is, I've 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 done it, and I'd much rather get it that way yeah. than uh, selling drugs and having to look behind my back all the time. And you never relaxed. Wow, yeah, you, know, yeah. you never ever relaxed, and you know it was just a miracle. So that's why I'm truly I'm not wasting my time now, you know, for helping people because yeah. it's a miracle from God that uh, I'm still here, and so you know I'm helping as many people as I can. Oh, man. That's powerful, awesome. man. Thank you. So thank you for sharing that, man, because it's, like you said, it's not just your story, yeah. it's our story. Yeah. And when you 
because you're you're one of these community leaders that have been there, and that's why there's such a massive following. This that's why a lot of people can resonate and come to you um, for this help. And we've seen the transformation through some of the people that you work with. So just wanted to honor you, like just mm. right now, and yeah, just man. thank you. Um, there's so many rock bottom moments that you have, <laughs> and a lot of people when we go through our rock bottom moments, we either respond in a way where it's like, oh man. I can still go back to what I'm used to, mm. but for you, that last one was like, uh, man, this ne- didn't work for me before. This wasn't working for me now. Yeah, yeah. like it was losing my kids, yeah. and it was through my own actions. It was, it was, you know, it was me. I was, it was, I was the idiot, and that was it for me. I, you know, that when my kids left on the truck on the train, I was in Sydney. And one of my kids, Tavita, he turned and looked at me. And that look is what still haunts me now. Yeah. It was like a look there where he knew <clears throat> it was a lot, you know, he wouldn't see me for a while, you yeah. know, and, and it just hurt me. Uh, and it would keep me up at night, you know. I would I ended up living in a Grace Foundation home, a community home on a mattress on the floor because uh, the legs broke. I was so heavy, you know, and... um you know, I was staying with rapists and, and robbers that were just out of prison. That's where I was. And I just like, you know, I'd ha- I still had some, I had a suitcase and with my clothes and I had still had some of my kids' clothes in it and I'd just smell their clothes at night, you know, and just cry myself to sleep and just be so miserable uh, and in so much pain. But I used it, you know, and I just use adversity to drive you, you know. Um, that's what it was for me and... You know, and exercise really saved me because mm. I just went for a walk and while I was walking, I wasn't thinking about how shit my life was. <laughs> I was thinking, man, this is steep hill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I just exercised a lot because while I was exercising, I was feeling good. And then, But what was happening was when, while I wasn't exercising is when all the negative thoughts mm. would come in, into my head. You know, I'd always driving back to Rewa from uh, Royal Oak, One Tree Hill, and I'd be on the on the Mangani motorway just thinking man I'd just be staring at the poles you know staring at power poles I should just drive into these things um, but what stopped me was um, my kids you know I wanted I wanted my kids back and that's what stopped me uh, from doing so to stop myself from having these bad thoughts I'd just exercise a lot you know just would walk and just go to nice places and exercise and just try and think of I'd, I'd visualise the day I'd have my kids back you know and I, that's that's what that's what drove me, man. Man, that is just that's powerful. Yeah, that's um, just something you said about um, hitting rock bottom. I've always believed that um, you know when you really hit that rock bottom and you feel like there's nowhere to go, even if you don't believe in God, mm. um, having those experiences where you're to the point where you'll do literally anything to get out of the situation you're in. And um, it just sort of reminded me of how some of the things you've talked about, things like reputation and protection you know, they can be used for bad or good. Like they're actually not quite, they're, they're not as far apart as we initially think. Mm. Um, so it's just interesting seeing how you've come up in one direction, but you've been able to flip some of those things into like a sort of positive outlet. So I just wanted to commend you on that and mm. um, yeah, mention how amazing that was. And one of the things I was really curious about um, in terms of your journey was, um, was was in terms of your relationship with, with your sister, Vicky, um, I sort of read up a little bit online about 
you know, the, the tough time she had and how tough it must have been for your family and just the resilience that uh, um, that came through in that. I was really curious to, to learn a little bit more on that. Yeah, you know, it was, um, geez, out of everyone in my family, out of, you know, me and my two sisters, it was ended up being the best one that went to prison, you know, like uh, she, she got involved and she was sent to prison for fraud and it was, but it was bull crap, you know. I never talk about it. But, uh, you know, she was helping low-income families get into homes. More than like, you know, most of the time you can afford to actually pay a mortgage, you just can't afford the deposit. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't know the specifics of it, but, you know, there was, um, she got in, she got into, into trouble for that. And it, the crazy thing is the system is so racist, uh, especially when you have a surname like ours, it's, it's the system knows. Mm. You know, um, the bank manager that that was a part of it, got home detention and my sister got three years prison. Wow. Um, so it's just, and that was my sister's first ever offence and it was just an absolute disgrace. I never thought, she'd done the wrong thing, she'd done the yeah. wrong thing, I never said that she didn't, uh, but that's just, just total bull crap. Mm. Um, but she was doing her, her sentence um, and I hated going and seeing her, I, I hate prisons. Uh, I, you know, if you've never been to a prison, um, it, it, you know, it sucks. Mm. And, uh, because the thing is, they they treat you, the family, as as if you're the inmate, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the higher up in the prison, you if you the higher up security of the prison you go to, the worse it is. Um, but in prison, she started getting sick, and uh, my mum was just so worried, you know. And they wouldn't take her to the, they wouldn't bring a doctor in, they wouldn't take her hospital, and it ended up she was um, spewing up black vile. Um, and they told her to sleep upright because so she wouldn't choke. Um, so they treated her like a dog, less than a dog. And finally, they after about six weeks or something, they took her to the doctors into Middlemore. Straight away, they scanned her stomach cancer, stomach out, six months to live. Dang. You know, and uh, and it was just a uh, man. It was just a total nightmare. It was a total nightmare. Even just thinking about it now, um, going through that, and then they just played games with my mum, not letting my mum visit her, you know. Um, my sister was such a caring person, you know, like I'd come in to visit her and I'd bring food for her and she'd tell me to, you know, f- to give some to the guards. I said, fuck those guys, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, she'd still feed them and I said, I hope they choke on the fucking food, you know. Like, it's oh. just, that, that's my mindset because they just treated us like, and then what they'd done. But, you know, it was, it was not the guards' fault, you know. Was uh, the the up the upper echelon, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, in the corrections, um, and but they still she they try to get her out on compassionate grounds, and they still thought that they could look after her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they denied her twice, and they gave her um, you know they do things like they give her a bell to ring when she was in pain, but it had no ringer in the middle, you know, um, and then you know they, they wouldn't give her her medication. And, you know, she just had her stomach out. She's got cancer. You know, she's terminal cancer. And uh, so I just had enough. I said, my family are trying to do things the right way through corrections uh, and go through the lawyer. I said, no, I've had enough. I'm going to use – I was boxing at the time. And, you know, although most people hated me, I I was also doing our community work. I'd already started our boot camp. So I had, you know, a pretty good following for the work I was doing um, at that time. 
and so I just used it. I was it was like I was running a campaign, like I am now on <laughs> Vote for Dave. It's, it's the same thing back then. I was running a campaign to get my sister released. Um, and anything I heard, you know, I utilized any contacts I had in media from boxing. I utilized it for her. I go on radio show, literally like I was running for mayor. Like, wow. you know, mm-hmm. I just um, be asking mates that were in the media, how, you know, how can I do this? How can I? Do, how can I get on this show? Met Duncan Garner, got on his talkback, and uh, and then uh, on his show, the you know, this, when he was on Seven Sharp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then we ended up doing, so anything I heard from inside, I'd, I'd reported to the media and people were just in an outrage, you know. And, uh, and then we we're trying to get politicians involved and they just kept washing their hands of it and saying, nah, it's, you know, the minister saying they still do it now. It's not, we can't tell corrections what to do, you know, which is total bullcrap. And uh, then I, I organised a protest and outside the prison and even though uh, some of my family didn't want me to do it my sister did so I'd done the protest and then a, a, a week later she was released which you know changed the mind of the government you know where the, mm. where the Prime Minister John Key stepped in and said that's enough and she was released on compassionate grounds uh, sort of did home detention all that sort of stuff um, um, you know and died pretty much six months later yeah, so you know everything I went through that losing everything to come back here and then start boxing and then all the hate that I got from boxing because, you know, people was... Um, you know, I was getting death threats with the boxing. Uh, people would say, I'm a disgrace to my own pe- to my people. Um, you know, I'll send you rope to hang your family with. Uh, you know, all oh, of the stuff that I wow, get. Yeah, it was, bad. I mean, it was really bad. But everything I went through was worth it because I, u- I was able to use that profile that I had, mm. even though it was, you know, not the best profile, but I had a profile. I was able to use it to... Uh, to get to get her out, and it's and it's that's how I done how it's how I done it. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome! Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, sure. So you know, just to yeah, just to sort of go back and um, between those two moments because you know you you created a profile, um, you created a brown butter bean, and um, was that the gimmick that you wanted to um, carry? Uh, no, like the whole way I got into boxing was, um, so I grew up with David Higgins, who's the boss of Duco, Joseph Parker's, uh, promoter. He's now Joseph's manager. Um, and they had a lot of like, you know, circus acts, like, you know, celebrity fights. And, you know, I think they had like a couple of like dwarves fight. Uh, is that how you, little people? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what the PC term is, but yeah. um, they were a lot of circus act fights. And um, Dave actually brought me back here from Australia. He was, you know, he's agnostic, but uh, he's like always been my guardian angel, you know. And uh, he was the first person to call me when I when I um, when I stabbed myself, and uh, you know, he was he was there. And then when I was staying at my mum's afterwards, he you know keep tabs on me, and he brought me back to New Zealand and he had to pay for me business class because I was too big to f- I couldn't fit in the economy and um, so he was always really worried about me he didn't never really wanted to leave me alone much because I was you know on the edge and so he's you know Joseph Parker was fighting over in Germany and Dave goes you want to come to Germany to watch him fight and I went oh, yeah that'd be awesome and he goes well you better train hard because you're not coming in a, you're not coming business you're traveling in economy, you know, so uh, if you want to fit in economy, you better train hard. So I started walking twice a day then. But uh, wow. 
over in Germany at Joe's Weyen, and uh, this so it was Leopie and Klitschko was that was yeah, the yeah, main yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. They had their own Weyen, and the undercard had had theirs, which Joe was on. So at that one, the head of German boxing they'd never seen a such a large tattooed Islander before with a shaved head, and they wanted to see what I weighed. You know, they were fascinated by me, and I wanted to see what I weighed too, because you know. Every time I jumped on the scale back here, it said error, you know. So I was, they, they dragged me through the audience and chucked me on the scale, and I was 178 kilos. And everyone was going, man, you know, just like shocked at how fat I was. And I was happy because I just realized how much weight I'd lost. So wow. I was like up there, and because I was so happy, I was like doing what you do, like, you know, what you see in the movies of those American, yeah, I'm yeah. the man, yeah. I'll take out anyone, <laughs> you know. And everyone laughed. And that's when Dave had the idea, man, that's what you're going to do. We're going to wow. we're gonna uh, roll you out as an, the next circus act before Joe fights. Um, we're gonna, we'll call you the Brown Butterbean. The whole name actually came from Dave's brother, Andrew. And I told Andrew, oh, Dave's going to get me to fight on Joe's card. And, they, and Andrew just laughed and said, what are they going to call you, the Black Butterbean? Because there's a famous white boxer <laughs> yeah, called yeah, Butterbean, yeah, butter, yeah, butter yeah, yeah. who's a big fat white yeah. guy. I was a big fat brown guy. Dave loved their name. He goes, but you we have to call you Brown. Brown Butterbean. And I, I didn't care. I just said, how much am I going to get paid? That was the only way I was going to earn money. Wow. But it wasn't a lot of money. You know, I was getting paid um, for the work that's involved. I was, you know, I was on getting 5000 a fight. Um, so it's a lot to take on yeah. for, you know, five grand mm. um, every 12 weeks or whatever. I'd, that's oh. why I'd fight as much as I could because mm. I just I fight on all the small cards to get you know a few hundred here a few hundred there and then the Ducos were the big ones um, but yeah the, it was a, it, you know the premise was the Butterbean does whatever he wants he talks about himself only in the third person <laughs> you know, he does what he wants he says what he wants and he goes wherever he wants and that was the thing and, uh, and the, what we had to do was call out whatever area Joe fought in so of course the first area he fought in when I was on was bl bloody South Auckland. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I caught it was Joe Parker, Brian Minto at Monaco Event Center, and uh, I had the way in there. Of course, it said the scale said error again, and I caught. I said there is no way I'm the mighty brown butterbean. There's no one in New Zealand, let alone South Auckland, that can beat me. I'm the toughest man in New Zealand. And people just went nuts. I go, who's this fat bastard saying he's the toughest so man? And, then, so, and they ran a competition where people had to enter and the crowd goes wild and it was like a new thing. No one was really doing that then, mm. you know. Um, so people couldn't handle it. Like for me, I was I could tell it was a joke, but no one else could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like I was playing a wrestling, a bad guy in wrestling. Yep. That's, you know, so like I'd watch the heel, the heel, the heel, the heel yeah. watching Ric Flair and yeah. then I'd do the Ric Flair strut <laughs> yeah, and all these yeah. stupid, stupid things. So that, but it was just funny to me. Yeah. But I understood early on that uh, Joe Parker is the main event. He's yeah. the main thing. So if I want to make the news, I need to do stupid stuff, you know. So I just, um, I'd have to keep upping it, you know. So yeah. I, I, you know, and man, I fought um, Horse Vatuvo. He was fearsome, fearsome guy, fearsome reputation, and um, and you know, it was I was saying stuff, and I was like shitting myself, like while I was saying it, you know. <laughs> and but it was just like I was just playing, and we became friends after, you know. I was just playing a character, yeah. Yeah. and um, did he understand that you were? Not till after. Not till after. <laughs> yeah. so he was, he was up for blood. Yeah, I talked to him um, straight after the fight, you know. And I think um, 
Yeah. Anyone that mm. want, if they talk to me like off the camera, they understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was literally I was doing it because that's the only way that I was making money, and what I'd make, I'd send it to Australia to to my oh, to yeah. my kids, wow. and uh, you know, and but because I had to keep upping it, you know, because can't keep doing the same thing if you want to make the news so yeah. you know i turn up to you know there's one i turn up as elvis with a you know i turn up as a, in a full swat team <laughs> i had some mates that were um used to be in like the special like army over here and they still had all their gear the right gear so we they dressed up in that and um in newmarket and tux Fale was there he's yeah, a wrestler yeah, i got yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, uh, he, he gave me heaps of tips on how to play oh, this character wow. yeah. and cool. I, I really got a lot of advice from him he was around early in my career mm. it was him um had um and all these swat guys in full right gear and we walked down newmarket and they were stopping traffic in formation <laughs> and i turn up there and uh, Mike King would give me one-liners to say, you know, and the, as soon as I walked in, you know, the, it worked because the crowd, like all the news just come over to me, yes. you know, and I'd say, yeah, these guys aren't here for my protection. They're here for all of your protection. <laughs> protect you, protect you, know, you, you guys, not me. You know, I just do real stupid, you know, and, um, you know, like I, I challenged, I went to Palms the North and I said, you guys aren't tough enough for me. I had to fight two of you, you know, in the one night, you know, so just... Whatever I could do to cause a ruckus, but it was hard to k keep that up because after through that, because I was losing weight on every show, mm. people would start to say, "Man, what's the secret to this? How are you losing weight?" Our people mm. always think there's a secret, mm. you know. It's, it's, it, so when I tell them, "Well, you know, just stop drinking fizzy drinks and stop eating rubbish every day, and go for a walk," you know, that's the secret. Mm. People would always hope, wow. especially our people would always mm. ah. They think there's a shortcut. They're yeah. hoping that I tell them to drink this potion, take this pill, and stand on one of those machines that shake you about, you know. And uh, <laughs> um, you know, so I started a group called uh, Butterbee Motivation or BBM Motivation on Facebook as a place where I could send people, because everywhere else on all my socials I was being a dick, you know. So I was playing. I played the character full on, like it was. I was never off, you know. Um, because it was that was my job, you know, yeah, yeah. and I had I was trying my hardest to be it, you know. And but in the group, I started it as like a just a blog for myself where I could share my fitness, and that's how it started, you know. And I, uh, we started our first boot camp. It was actually in West Auckland. My wife's a Westie. It was her father, her father's mate that needed help, so I helped him. And it was only a handful, maybe three, four of us there. And then I thought, geez, we should see who else wants to come from our group. You know, so we put it in, in our group and then out south we started uh, in a driveway in Papatoi, uh helping one person. Wow. And then same thing, I, we should see if anyone else wants to come. And that's how, you know, literally, um, you know, it's thousands. Tens of, of thousands yeah, now, you know, yeah. If you think about what we're, what we're doing just with our food bank, and I call it a food share, not a food bank, because a food bank awesome. can have a negative yeah, connotation. Yeah. Uh, our people cool. can feel embarrassed to ask for help. You know, I never want to, so everyone watching, you know, never feel embarrassed to ask for help because it's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness to reach out and ask for help. Um, we call it, so we started the food share and, you know, that's alone's fed hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and we started it without any funding, you know, and we just, we just did it. Yeah, so it's amazing, you know, so we've got Jim and Monaco and Yulin opening up in Tokoro. We've got a community kitchen, uh, our food, uh, food share. So there's lots of things that we're doing. 
Wow, that's crazy. Um, it's just I just admire your tenacity, um, Dave. Okay, if we could run it back a bit, um, Dave, because you talked about the system um, in terms of Vicky. Um, and we, I, th- I think early on we talked about the system kind of being quite racist and all that. And and I, know, I love what you said. You said, hey, we can complain about the system all we want, but if we don't get up our, our own asses and, and do some, some hard mahi or hard yaka, nothing's going to change. So what, what do you say to some of our men out there? Because some of them think, oh, that is the system. And then we can just kind of stay in that state for, for eight, four years. What, 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 do you, what, how, what would you say to the, the, our, our men who are like, and that kind of mentality? Oops. You've just got to get up and make it happen, you know. Don't, you just can't rely on it. Mm. You can't wait for it. The systems, it's, uh, there is help there, but it's hard to find. It's hard to navigate, you know, mm. at the best of times. Um, so you just can't, if you get up and start and start, like, you know, like so, for example, our food bank. Uh, food share. We started it because there was a mum of four that had no food and no money before the first ever level four lockdown, and the, the system couldn't help her. And if you can imagine what that was like as a parent with four kids that have nothing going into the first ever, and there was so much uncertainty then. Um, so I didn't wait to try and get funding from MSD to do it. You know, I just did it because I could. You know, wow. and I just hustled. It was so everything that I went through with my sister was the same then. I just hustled, made as many connections as I could. I joined LinkedIn. I found out who the bosses of these different companies are, connected with them, and re- reached out to them and asked for help. You know, so again, I say never be shy to ask for help. But I reached out and I said, "Look, mm. this is what we're doing. Uh, can you help? You know, I don't mind paying for stuff, but if we if we can get it at a discount." You know, can I, you know, and that's how it all started. So I didn't, and, and then what it's, what's happened is, is that now MSD have come and started mm. supporting us. Wow. Uh, Ministry of Health have started supporting us after seven years of running our free health programs, but we're not reliant on them. Yeah. Mm. You know, so yes. it's the same, like I'd say to anyone, just get out and start, get out and do it for yourself. The system will catch up. Mm. Um, you know, for people out there just wondering how to get help, you know, just, don't be lazy. Mm. Get up and do mm. whatever it takes in terms yeah. of, um, you know, go and, and I would, as I said before, I'd clean toilets, do anything I could to put food on my table, um, you know, and do it, doing it the right way. Mm. Um, and then, you know, if you need a hand, there are organisations out there like us, you know, that can help navigate. There's plenty of help out there, mm. but they're not going to tell you about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, you know? yeah. I was going to ask about that with um, some of the, the other organisations. Do you ever find that there's, like, although everyone has the same mission, do you find there's there's ever conflict or...? Not everyone, with, ha- not everyone has the same mission. Ah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Community groups uh, have the same mission, you know, and lots of these big organisations that... Um, I always say, like, I meet with lots of government officials and I met with Chris, Chris Luxon a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, and he was asking me what needs to change, you know. And I just said, look, before you go, if you become Prime Minister, and said, before you go and fund anyone, said, ask yourself this one question, would these guys do it if they had no funding? Mm-hmm. You know? And right there, if they wouldn't, then I wouldn't give them any money. Wow. You know, because groups like us, and it's, it's not just us, there's plenty of community groups out there doing great work with nothing. And they do it with they yeah. do it with no money. They just find a way to make it happen. If you supported those groups, and when I had a meeting with uh, Jacinda a couple of years ago, I said that to her. 
we're giving millions and millions, she said to me, to um, different, and, and she is. So but I said to her, you're giving it to the wrong organizations. Wow. That's what's happening. You know, you're giving it to organisations that are just um, just an, they're like government, another government department. They're filled with bureaucracy. Mm. And the money that you're giving them pays for cars, flash buildings, um, and you know, overinflated, you know, too much bureaucrats. And then, mm. people, what we're left with is crumbs. Yeah. Wow. You know, so you've got and then you've got um, organisations that look after our money, Pacifica. So you've got Final Order and then you've got Pacifica Futures. We get nothing, uh, especially from Pacifica. <laughs> wow. You know, we get nothing. And the th- so I didn't care, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is, uh, it's just filled with bureaucrats and, and there's gatekeepers to money. Mm. Uh, and they only look after the same old people. You know, until you can change these gatekeepers, uh, nothing's going to change. We're all left, we are all left to fight for scraps like we're dogs. You know, so I, I'll, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. So I go off and make my own connections, uh, and get corporate connections. Our model is, uh, is perfect. And mm. when I met with Carmel Cipollone, I said, our model, and she's a, she's amazing. She's one a very rare politician that actually does what she says. Um, it's community, government, and business all working together for the common good. You know, mm-hmm. but as soon as, as soon as you start relying on government to pay your wages, man, they got you. Yeah, yeah, you're just, yeah, yeah. You're just there to tick boxes wow. and, and, and say yes, massa. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. You know, so it's it's our model is what works. Where yeah, we, we, of course we need your money, government. You know, but uh, the way that it's working with us and it's it's really good because what we're going to pave the way for other groups um, where. We're not just there to tick boxes. They understand. So Ministry of Health um, took one worker to come out and see us up the road there. And once she saw it, she understood, she goes, this is this is how it's done. Mm. It doesn't fit the box, but it, it's working for mm. our people. Mm. You know, and our people, unfortunately, are the ones that are overrepresented in all of these bad stats. Yeah. You know, so what you're doing is working on so many levels. So let's support it. Let's, so we're not confined by the system, but the system's helping us. Mm. You know, so that that's there is the model, and we're they're evaluating it for two years. Massey, uni- oh. we've got Massey University and Auckland University, uh, both evaluating us, and it's evaluating the systems because what we have is the BBM model. Mm. You know, and that's the model that needs to be used to scale and to help other uh, community organisations that are in the most deprived areas. It's our model that will help them. You know, it's funny because we had a meeting last week with both unis, both universities, and uh, talking, you know, trying to get along, you know. And I said, well, far out, man, surely if the Black Power Mongol mob can get along, two universities can. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, so, oh. uh, it's cool, like we're just bridging the gaps there, you know. Yeah. It blows my mind, um, Dave, because cause you've been proven, you're, the work that you do is proven, and some of these funders will just, what's up? Is it just, um, is who you know? Is it that old adage? Oh, 100%. Like, it's just, it, it, it is who you know. Um, and it's just, this, it's it's the same way, I guess, with anyone. You're going to look after your mates. You, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I guess it's the same with anyone. Like, you look at, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just gatekeepers to the money. And there's lots and lots of money out there. Mm. You know, but it's uh, just not spread out evenly, you know? Mm. Um, and, but, and the other thing is there is lots of, you know, I, th- I think more... Uh, I met with a guy about um, a mental health. You know, I was giving it, uh, asking me for advice. You know, sometimes there's too many groups doing the same thing. Mm. You know I mean, just support each other. Yeah. The yeah, problem yeah. is, you know, 
um, everyone's fighting for everyone's the same. fighting for the same money. Yeah, but yeah. if you just like a, if you know, we don't need any more mental health organisations. Go and support my king. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people, yeah, organisations like him. You know, so um, you know, even when I went to the my first, so health is a business. You know, we're all mm. we're all we are just data. Mm. Uh, um, I went to my first meeting at the Canons Medical DHB applying for, for, it was like a tender we got invited for, for green prescriptions. And it was my first time I was ever exposed to the business side of health. And it was a few years ago now, I turn up just in shorts and a, a T-shirt, you know, <laughs> and everyone there is in suit and ties and um, sitting there listening and everyone's just talking about data and money. So I said, why... Um, why is no one talking about the people we're supposed to be helping? Why are we all, all I'm hearing is people talking about data and money. No one's saying hello to each other. No, it's because you're all there. You're all here to compete for money, for that contract. You know, when we should be all trying to work together to help our, help our people. Um, and of course we didn't get the contract. So <laughs> but it just taught me a lesson. I've never changed the way I am. You know, I've just stayed true to my values and it's always about the people. And, you know, now we're, Slowly starting to happen for us. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Mm. Shout, shout also. Thanks That's for leading the way. Love it, love it. We need, um, you know, so many people out there doing good work, but we often like uh, are the disabled by the system, and we wait for that their help. But you're like, nah, I'm gonna go and get the help. I'm gonna bust yeah. down the walls. I'm gonna put myself out there, yeah. even if it looks like a circus act. Mm. Even now, you're like um, participating in the mm. dancing with stars and. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah. You've like you know, you just got to go out and make it happen. That's mean, and and you'll get support, you know. Yeah. So no. so sort of go back. Like I know the when you hit your rock bottom, your kids were your your your. I guess the driving force. They were the thing that carried their hope. What is it now? It's still you know it's it's still my kids and my wife and being an example for them. But it's my people. Mm. It's all my people, you know. That I want to show us what's possible, you know. That you, I want, you know, you, you can get nice things the right way, mm. um, and just showing, giving my my people hope to show them it's possible. But not just giving them hope, but showing them how, yeah, you know, teaching yeah. them how to do yeah, it. So yeah. it's, you know, like that's the old adage, you know, about you know, um, what is it? You know, give a man a fish, you'll eat for yeah, a day. Yeah. You know, teach a man a fish, you'll eat yeah. for life. You know, so that's what I'm about. I just want to. I'm not just. Sh- trying to show off to you mm. i want to show you that this is how you do it it's possible just follow mm. you know follow our footsteps and what we do have you had some some backlash um dave from our own people from our people in terms of none of our li- none of, like you know most like uh uh pacifica leader apart from carmel not, not many of them really like me wow um we get like i said we get no support so um it's just because it's old school, you know that uh, Samoa stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've got to yeah, bow yeah. your head and be humble. Yeah, and that's what was the most thing, common thing that was always said to me: just be humble, humble yourself. Wow. I said, well, hey man, humble's not being a doormat. Mm. Ooh, nice. You know, nice. Like, uh, I'm, I am humble, yeah. uh, but I will speak up for my people, and I'll speak up for people that are too shy to talk about. Yeah. It. So it doesn't really concern me, you know. So, but. It is an issue, <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, like now I've built a, I've got good people around me. I've got, you know, nine employees. I've got really good infrastructure so I can, uh, you know, highlight issues, but I don't have to, like, I'll cost us stuff if yeah. I go to certain things. So, you know, now 
especially with the way the new health reform's coming, you know, we need to work and collaborate with other people. Mm. So, you know, now I've got a team that can work on relationships, yeah. you know, some, you know, there's things that I'm going to have to work with people that I don't like, but it's for, mm. it's for our people. Well, yeah, yeah. So you just got, you just got to do what you got to do, but you know, it doesn't mean I got to go to the meetings. How do you squash that um, day? Because I know I've had, have conversations after conversations in terms of humility. Oh, I'll be humble. That's the first time more way, you know, no eye contact and just humility. But how do you squash that? Because that's so hard for some of our men. Uh, yeah, no, it is hard. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's just a cultural thing. And I'm not, mm. you know, I'm not saying don't be humble. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying stand up for yourself. Mm. You know, it's, it's, like, yeah, um, that that's all I can really, you know. Mm. I mean, I serve my people. And if that means I've got to speak up and be, you know, be called arrogant, then I'll do it. Wow. Because you know, my, my, my why and my purpose is helping my people. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, that outweighs anything, anything. I don't care what people think about me because I know what I'm, why I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, my, yeah, yeah I know yeah. my purpose, you know. 100%, man. 100%. Because people will No one me. can speak on it. No mm. one can, yeah. no one can speak t- on, on my work. Because our work speaks for itself, so no wow. one, can, no one can come at me in public, you know, because of they, what, what are they going to do? Like yeah. they, they, they can't speak on my work. My work speaks for yeah, itself. Yeah. So many groups come to me. How do you get this profile? Blah blah blah. And I just told you, you've got to do the work. Mm. You know, the work is comes first. Yeah. Show, yeah. help yeah. people. You know, even with that guy I was talking to the other day, they were talking about we need, we set up this charity. We want to start. Um, but we need, you know, I've got a family, I, you know, I need security. So, well, if you want to help people, start. Like, mm. help one person. Mm. You know, like, what are you waiting for? Why do you need money to help someone? You know, just help That's one awesome. person. You know, I said to him, you're seeing, you're seeing the end result now of where yeah. we are. Yeah. You haven't seen the grind mm. for yeah, since yeah, 2014 yeah. that's gone on to make it happen. Yeah. You know, like even only what maybe four years ago, we're staying with me, my wife, and three kids in a sleep out with no kitchen. You know, so you haven't seen that. You just you you can't jump those steps. You want to you want this, you see the finished product. We're not even finished yet. You mm. know, you want that, yeah. but you haven't you you can't skip any steps. You That's know, good. So you've got to first start and then and then don't stop. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone wants everyone wants the promise, but no one wants to go through the process. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. And it's we live in a day and age where we see the end result. We see all the. Oh, perceived glamour mm. but no one's wanting to go through what you yeah. went through and and man, no one knows yeah, those it's it's, yeah. it's a man it's a lot of work and it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of pressure you know yeah even with being on the show dancing with stars that's why i'm look i'm not on it to win the competition even though i'm in the semi-finals uh, man um but i'm i'm on it for the two minute clip they play of our work before yeah. and mm. like I'm I'm saying okay this is what I need you know come and film the food bank come and food now this week they're filming our youth program you know so it, that's what I'm doing it for mm. and then the one minute I get to talk after I dance you know so before I da- but, you know when I turn up I'm saying to the host oh please can you ask me this question I don't want to know don't ask me about my dancing mm. you know ask about this so I can then lead me into my answer you know of you know just getting our message out there about yeah. encouraging others and you know raising awareness because it's a mainstream show mm. you know when I think about the the advertising yeah. we've got on it it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. when you th- like I've been on it now five weeks in prime time mm. wow. and I, and those you know 
minutes that I'm getting to speak is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, wow. that we could never get. And now there's all this new this new audience of people seeing not only the work we do, but seeing, going, man, really? There's hungry kids in New wow, Zealand? Wow, wow. You know, for real? You know, because you only know what you know. There's yeah. bubbles existed long before COVID. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where people at the top have no idea what's happening for us down at the bottom. Mm. And so it's, it's not their fault. You know, mm. so we have, that's why I use every opportunity to highlight it. It's fascinating how we often overestimate the progress of our society um, when in fact there are issues that have been generational, you've talked about before. Um, there are so many issues that are generational, poverty being one of the biggest ones. But um, I just wanted to touch on uh, uh, the work that you do. I can relate personally the, what, in terms of the statistics, um, you know, behind every number is a name, behind every name is a story. Um, and that's why data and money go hand in hand but there's nothing behind the money doesn't have a story it just changes hands all the time um and sort of touching on what you mentioned in terms of being humble and being a doormat um there's a quote about um there are two types of people in the world uh doormats and matadors which one are you um and you had there was a quote while i was doing some research on you where you had mentioned um you know if i was gonna if being humble was the way would that have gotten my sister out for that period? Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, that really stuck out to me. And I think through your story, everyone loves sort of the character arc of redemption in movies, but this isn't a movie, this is your real life. And it's awesome to see the, the, the character arc and the growth and it's so authentic and it's something I think that endears you to people, to everybody um, that, that supports your mahi. And I think with the mahi that you're doing, you're, you're kind of uniquely positioned because I feel like a lot of politicians and organisations, like you mentioned, they're all trying to get in with like, how do, they, how, do we, how do we connect with the Pacific Māori community? And you've been able to do it in a way that's authentic, that gives back, it puts the service first. Mm. And you're meeting, you're sort of living those values that are important to Māori and Pacific people. So Yeah, uh, it is amazing the position we're in. Mm. And because we're authentic and people, they know that we're real 100%, you know. Um, so we... The cool thing with us is that, you know, I can walk into a boardroom or I can walk into a gang pad, you know, everything's like we can go in all circles, mm. you know, I turn up and I'm the same person, I don't change because of the situation mm. I'm in, I'm just who I am, um, but, you know, we can have conversations with leaders of, you know, the country um, and leaders of gangs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we're, we're blessed in that way that mm. we can move in all these different circles, you know, and we just have... Any connection, I just try and connect charity. You know, I, I just try and connect people with money to people without it. You know, and um, that's that's all I do, and that's that's sort of my role in BBM, mm. and that, that that's what I'm good at. That's cool. Awesome. Hot hot topic at the moment in the political climate is um, um, Ram Reeds. Ram Reeds. Ram Reeds, yeah. mm. Your thoughts. Oh, look, it's, this has been around a long time, you know, when you think that my, my dad burnt his school down at nine, you know, and became a ward of the state, so this stuff was always happening. It is getting worse and more apparent, and you're hearing about it more because of yeah. social media, but Ooh. the reason I believe is getting worse, one of the main reasons is because the gap between the have and the have-nots is getting bigger. Mm. So, of course, if, you know, poverty is the driving issue here, when you, if you don't have something and you and then you want it, you know, and who likes being poor? You know, yeah, and, you, yeah, like, yeah. and um, you know, and then you, you look around. It's the same what I was saying before that the, the, the guys that with 
with the with this nice stuff is the the gangsters, mm-hmm. um, and it, and then but then you do have an element of the, the these older guys using the younger kids, you know. But mm. it's still driven. If they if they weren't poor, those kids wouldn't yeah. be there doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you it's, it's it's tough, you know. And then you've got just with the people that we work with, you've got parents that are just so busy trying to pay the rent. You know, they're both working and so they're not home. The same back with my dad. The parents, uh, my grandparents were always at church. You know, it's like yeah. I think a lot of that generation, mm, yeah. they were just never home because they're always at church. You know, mm. so that was that generation. Now you've got this one that's just working so hard because things are so expensive to live. Inflation's going up, but it's not matched by the wages aren't going up at the same mm. the same level. Um, so you've just got driving... Um, um, the, the the you know the poverty is even more, and then you've got parents that are just lost control, and then you've got parents who just don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, and that's the they're the ones that are the, that's the hard one. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, that's generational. The parents who just don't care, but it's not the kids' fault. You know, so mm. what can you do? You know, it's, it just takes. It's, this is going to take a long time mm. to reverse. You know, and, and what I said um, to Chris Luxon when he asked me about it, I said it needs to be community-led, you know, by people that these kids can identify with yeah. and relate to, and it's going to take a long time. Yeah. It's mm. going to take, a, you know, you need to walk alongside these um, families for a long time to make a difference. You can't just um, throw money, what was it, was it uh, 500 million or so, 306 million or something mm. like that? Um, you can't just throw money and give cops more guns build more prisons and it cost, when you think it costs $100,000 to keep one inmate in prison for a year mm-hmm. imagine if that was reversed and the same amount of money was directed into prevention programs you know right, that are community led initiatives you know mm-hmm. there, there, that would, there would be a difference there but there it's you know in health we talk about don't be the ambulance well what they're doing here is they're the, they're the cop car at the bottom of the hill yeah. you know and mm-hmm. uh, you know there needs to be punishment there yeah. needs to be consequence mm-hmm. of course but uh, prison should be the absolute last resort yeah. because prison is not rehab. Mm. You know, it mm. is a punishment, but it's not rehab. Don't, mm. don't expect them to go in there and come out better, um, better citizens. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah, it's a, but it's, it's it's a really and it's going to take a long time to change. Sure. Yeah. Also, thank you because um, I work in the. Social sector, social service sector, uh, and you hear everyone talking about it, and you got all these books about people mm. and talk about all their research, but that's the best. Yeah, take all their theories, but you have to experience. You're on the ground. You, your backgrounds that you understand it. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I'm just really inspired by the work you're doing, but also like, are you someone that looks into the future, like? Do you see your, where do you see yourself like in 2030? Uh, so I've got a, a five-year goal of building a village here in South Auckland where we have everything. Mm. Uh, and um, Judge Ida Malosi mm. come to see me. She came, flew up from Wellington. Uh, she's an amazing lady. and She just asked me that same question. Yeah. What's your plans? Um, and we talked about building a village. Wow. And I said, well, in five years, all my leases of everywhere runs out. Um, we're paying a lot of money in leases. We could afford to pay for pay off a mortgage. We just can't afford to get the deposit. Mm. You know? mm. So um, I'm meeting some some people, um, great people, 
and in five years I want to be able to build this village that has everything for you know like you know, basketball courts movie cinema um, you know uh, doctors therapists um, counsellors mm. and uh, pharmacy our gym our food bank everything in one spot and just think something that can be world world renowned from all no, of our people man. around the world that if they come to South Auckland this is where they're going to visit you know, they want to come put it like she said. Imagine if Rock came or someone came, mm. and there's a, or you know some famous comedian came, and they want to have a, we have an open mic night. <laughs> you know, yeah, and they, yeah, they come yeah. there. You know, and then you have little hubs, little hubs of it all around any of the mm. private area, but the main one. Um, what what I'd want is South Auckland and also West Auckland, and it's just build it a massive facility. We're already going to have free doctors in July at our gyms for wow. people with uh, long-term health conditions. That's happening. Um, mm. So it's just extending that, you know, and that. So that's where I'll be in five years. Wow, wow, man, that's so cool. That's awesome. Three years after that, twenty thirty. If the people wanted you, because you know you already got people voting for you. If the people wanted you, <laughs> would you? I've thought about it. Because I do get asked a lot if I'd go into it, but yeah, it's a I, I don't know because uh, sometimes I think that you get more done doing like doing what mm, I'm doing yeah, now, yeah, yeah, but yeah. then I think, man, but to really to really make a difference, you've got to be at the table, yeah. you know. And uh, the, our representatives, especially for Pacifica, that are at the table now, they're eating all the food. There's nothing left for us, you know. Wow. So um, <laughs> that's what makes me think. Uh, wow. One maybe one day I'd have to calm down. Mm. If I went in now, I'd get thrown. It'd be the shortest ever <laughs> political career. <laughs> maybe let Nixon have his chance, yeah. and then go in the yeah. one after that. Yeah. <laughs> now oh, that's man. cool. Oh shucks, I it's always that. like trying to align with people that, like, yeah. you know, so, yeah, you know yeah. I'm friends with Leo. Yeah. Uh, he's running for mayor, and I cop a lot of heat about that, but me supporting him. Mm. Because, you know, obviously our vessels are going yeah, and yeah, people yeah. always say to me, you know, why aren't you supporting your brother? And I said, well, my brother didn't help me feed people. <laughs> you know, like, that's what it is. Like, I, I met a vessel and I told him that. I said, I'm Team Leo. But if you get in, of course, I'll support you, you know. But yeah. I might throw my support behind this guy and people ask me why. So the fact is, I said, I'm not, I'm not seeing race. The guy helped me to build my community kitchen. He fronted up $200,000 to build my kitchen. And then we, we raised the money and could pay him back, but there was no guarantee we would raise the money. <laughs> yeah. mm. um, then he did that all with no, no press, and then he he's helped us to fit, making meals all through lockdown while we were clo while he was closed, made up, made meals for us to give out. So, of course, I'm going to support him. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I'm loyal. I support people who yeah. support me, even mm. if it means that I cop heat about it. And I do like people. I've called. Um, other politicians, other councillors, uh, Pacifica councillors said um, that that I, me and Monty are Leo's brown handbags. What's you know, yeah. 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 And I cop it more because I'm more out there. Yeah. You know? uh, but me, Leo, uh, Monty, yeah, Beethan gets it too. You know, we're Leo's brown handbags. And it's just ridiculous. Wow. You know, I'm not seeing, I'm not doing it because of his race. I'm doing it because he's helped me. Mm. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. If, if he gets in, obviously it's better for us. So then it will be better for my people. Yeah. You know, because he already supports me now. Imagine if he was mayor. Yeah. yeah. Imagine the support we get then, which in return means our people get more support. Yeah. You know, the council now is just ridiculous. You know, like uh you know, we got no we got a little bit of support for them over 
for the food parcels, but it was like a, it was just scraps of what was left over, you know. And then just they turn giving out food parcels into a bureaucracy. You know, you you would not believe it. Uh, And the only reason we got that is because I started being connected to Pacifica people out there in, in within the council that were actually doing the work, and they supported us. So that's how we got you know, some, a little bit of support t- towards the end of them doing it, you know, food parcels. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you mentioned um, Aida Malusi and um, Kamas Supolini, um, and there's, there's some real powerful, powerful ladies. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to, to know, because you mentioned your mom, um, Us, in terms of your relationship with your mom, because she seems like a quite an instrumental part of, of who you are and and uh, and, uh, and you just being yourself was just tell us a little bit about your, about your mamos. Um, oh, my mum's it's just a strong lady, you know. Uh, man, just been through so much, and we're very similar, uh, you know, very very similar in our personalities and all our traits. She was uh, just always there for me, you know, uh, through uh, any high and the many lows. You know, she she was there solid. You know, she met my dad when I think they were like 13, 14. She was a street kid from Bennydale down the line. Just tough. Like, tough, you know. Um, when my dad was in, the, before the mob, they had them, it was called the Mangare Dogs. And, she, and, you know, there's all these little groups around. And she was the mole patrol, you know. <laughs> like, it was all the, the girlfriends of the Mangare Dogs, you know. Um, but she was just a ruthless um, back in the day. Um, and she really changed. Like my grandparents hated her, you know. They thought she was the devil. Um, but then it was her and my father that nursed my grandfather back to, you know, into when he got dementia and they moved in. And she 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 became so close with my grandparents. Uh, it took her. She's a born again Christian now, but uh, it took her a long time. Uh-huh. And but she it was always her actions were Christian, you know. Does he don't need to be born again, you know? Uh-huh. But she is now. But. Uh, yeah, just a really awesome person, but you know, it affected her losing my sister big time. Mm, you know, yeah. And, um, yeah. So, but you know, we try and uh, I try and do as much as I can. Yeah. Because it seems like a recurring theme. Um, also, a lot of a lot of the guys that have come in. Um, mm. they've they've said um, it's it's their, it's been their moms. Their moms have been a big big part of of their lives. And so, wow, it's just I see like. It, like you know, when you come from where, where I come from, it's it's the 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 women are left to sweep the pieces up the pieces of what the the mess that men are <laughs> that men in their lives have made, <laughs> and my mum's just been solid, the, the right through, you know. But uh, you know, like I remember when we were young, you know, looking for because my mum loved the party, you know, and they had us so young, you know, and we used to, I used to remember going having my sister Vicky. On a doubling her around on a bike, looking, going from party to party, to looking for my mum, you know. So, but um, really close with her. Yeah, just because you know, man, we've heard so a lot of the journey. Um, what are some of the good news stories that really stand out for you with all the work that you've done, and even good news stories for yourself? Uh, yeah, oh man, like I've got my kids back, I've got a new wife, amazing wife, Corrine, new son, Mm. um, you know, we, we've got, we're in our own home, uh, out, out west, I never in my life thought I'd own a home, never in my life did it ever enter my thinking 
that mm-hmm. I don't have my own place. Of course, it's the banks and so I for the next 30 <laughs> years. But, <laughs> but you know, to be paying off my own home, yeah. it's just, I just never thought that was possible. Uh, and it's it's crazy because I never, you know, I didn't never posted about it, nothing like yeah. that. You know, you you see that sold thing but you know just the with the way that our people some you know that tall poppy stuff i didn't want anyone um thinking negative you know but uh and just you know being out the, the good news stories for me is that being able to help people you know it, but it's never ending the, the thing is it's just never ending um i can't answer my f- messages i've got a team now that do it and i, I still go and have a look but because i I'll go broke, you know, like there's a amount of people that are just reaching out ask for help. If I can't help them, if I can't help someone on the day and their stories just like, just rips your heart out, I'll send them money, you know? Mm. So I need to stop doing that. Otherwise we'll go broke, you know? So, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, just, I guess, I don't know. I guess the good thing is that we're, we're able to help, you know, mm. it's, but the sad thing is, is that the need's so great, you know, like, mm. but, because we're so accessible, you know, just on the weekend got asked. Um, I've never, I've only met this person from work, um, going to a restaurant that they worked in. And, you know, she worked up the courage to reach out and ask for help. You know, the, the you know, uh, pregnant uh, partner said it's not his, wants her to get an abortion, and she, now she's got to move out of the home, no money, no, um, no, nothing from a different country you know so but the good news is that we could help yeah, uh, but yeah. it's so it's always the, the hard thing is there's good news but it's always because of the bad news yeah, you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah but the fact that we're able to help so many people um, the fact that people are warm kids are warm kids are fed uh, there's people still alive because of us you know that's the that's the good news that's good also wow. and it sounds like because you've got a busy lifestyle and you're always helping others and you can almost drain you from your sort of your 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 cup um what what does self-care mean to you or what do you do for self-care yeah it is tough me i mean even you know doing this you know what I mean? yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. end of the day <laughs> uh but no it's because you know that's a good platform to help people um for me it's it's just being around good people self-care for me is training training with my mates um but yeah at the moment it's it's uh it's tough because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not doing um i'm probably i'm doing too much but it's because the need's so great yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, i'm lucky i've got a good team i've got a good family but i don't spend anywhere near enough time with my family you know so it's hard that balance it's hard man yeah. it's a never-ending struggle of finding balance and whether it's crime or doing community work, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. the balance, you know, like even like me and my dad, we, we, we battle, like, um, you know, we struggle now because he's hard, like he's like me in the community with Grace Foundation, helping people like him, you know, where he was. Um, so he's, it's just relentless. So he's, he's on it. And then I say, well, you know, you lost us. You never were with us. Now you're not with our my my kids. Um, and then it's the same with me, you know. So I'm gone so much, you know, and I'm doing it for my kids. Uh, yeah, I say, oh, you know, so same thing you say, you know, when you I'm doing this for my kids, but then it takes you away. So it's hard finding that balance. So I'm still 
it's a work in progress. And people say, oh, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to work on finding time with the kids. Well, so, well you do. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I do, yeah. you know, especially when you're community-minded, uh, you know, and yeah. um, it always, the sacrifice, unfortunately, is your family. That's the unfortunate part mm. about what we're doing in the community. Yeah. The sacrifice is family. Uh, and it's not real, it's not fair on them, but yeah, mm, <laughs> it's a hard one, you know, it's a, it's what are you going to do, balance. you know, yeah, yeah. people, people, people need you. So I'm, I'm just lucky that I have a good wife, very lucky. Yeah. Um, and my kid, you know, yeah, like I, I try and leave, um, I try and leave the Saturday uh, for them. But then now, you know, I'm doing Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> There's like Dancing with the Stars, you're gone all weekend. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You, you're gone all day. Come back at night. You know, but again, it's for the greater cause. Wow. So, um, mm. Yeah, but then when that show's finished, and I, I, I am before the show, I was actively making sure that That's I was cool. Saturday was my day with the family. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. Has it ever been a time, Dave? Like even now, because I know a lot of good things are happening up um, for you and, and the people in the community and so forth. But has it has it been a time when you just get up in the morning, and you think, man, I've just had it. Just too much. It's just too much. Oh, not really. Like I wake up tired, you know. Mm. Like I wake up, man, you know. But I've never thought of not doing it. Mm. But because it's, my purpose is so strong, yeah. you know. Um, especially, because, like I said before, because the need's so great. Yeah. So I have to, you know. Yeah. Like I don't have an option. Like if. You know, I was telling my dance partner, I said, man, if, if I give up, there's literally thousands of people that won't eat. Wow. You know, so how am I, how, how am I going to give up, you know? Um, so I have to keep going. Yeah. And my main, like, like I said, I've got a great team. So my main role is profile. That's it. And making connections, building connections. That, those are, that's the thing that I need to do. You know, it wasn't like before when I was running all the boot camps. I don't run boot camps anymore. There'd be maybe one or two that I do um, for like our from the couch um, people that I'm helping. But that's it. You know, the rest of it, I'm just raising profile, making sure we got money to pay for it all. Because it's you know that gym around the corner on Cavendish Drive costs us one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, uh, and we don't charge our members one thing. You know, and we never will. So, but that's a lot of a lot, a lot of hustling you got to do to make that happen. I just love that um, Yeah You've got a big profile But you're just as human As everyone else And I think Your resilience A lot of Yeah your journey Has built your resilience To do A lot of things That you're doing now And um, Faith play a, playing a big part In your In your why Yeah f I mean for sure You know I got turned off God in church for a long time because when I was in the Seven Day Adventist in, over in Mount Druid, it's, man, it's hardcore, man, and it's um, it was run like you know the deacons were more like bouncers, you know, if they caught you out of and because I couldn't understand or speak Samoan at a full on Samoan church, they just beat me, you know, that was what it was like, you know, that um, break off branches and you know or slap you, you know, so that turned me off church, you know, but. I had that that faith was ingrained in me from my grandparents, you know, having. Mm. So I've always had faith in God, but I don't believe in going to church. Mm. I don't mm. think going to church makes you a Christian. And I, I went to um, Papster to do a speech, and uh, 
I've never been invited back, but I, <laughs> but I, I still, um, you know, I still help there. You know, we're feeding maybe yeah, 40 families yeah. a week with uh, solid Andrew Hofflich. He's got an amazing story. We help with him. Uh, but, you know, I went into church and I said, what time does church start? And they said, like, oh, 10 o'clock. What time's it finish? One. So well, don't be 10 to one Christians one day a week. You know, it's what you do outside these walls. That's what counts. Yeah. It's not what you do in here. You know, what, what counts is what you do when you're outside of church. Mm. That's what matters. You know, are you a good person? You don't, you know, that's, that's what matters. So yeah, I never got invited back to speak, <laughs> but it's been, it's, that's truth. Yeah, that's so truth. many people are, are good Christians in church, but then they're, they're, they're the devils outside at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just got to, for me, it's about being a good person, mm. whether you're Christian or not, but um, you know, but I am Christian, yeah. but um, you know, you got to be a good person. Yeah. And just, just, I just wanted to touch and <clears throat> pick your brain a little bit about, um, you know, I love the ambition for the village. I think that's awesome. And so I was a little bit curious about what are the the, the biggest supports you need um, at the moment to make that dream a reality. Um, and then the, just to lead on from that was in terms of men's, you know, the health of men and, and sort of the state of society today and where it's sort of trending to. Um, what do you anticipate is this sort of, big challenges of the future for men? Uh, so what we need is money. That's it. I don't need, I don't, uh, we got plenty of volunteers. We got, we got a massive movement of people, you know, on the, on call all the time that can help us. The, the main reason, we need money. You know, yeah. that, uh, people always say, how oh, can I loan my time? I said, well, no, we're all right for time unless you're an expert in something that I need. Mm. Well, what we need is money or food, you know, or money mm. to buy food. Or money to pay for our lease, or a, or or a place we can have for free, you know. Um, I don't know what the biggest issue. I think I think the biggest issue for us as men is always going to be understanding it's okay to ask for help, mm. and it's okay to reach out and talk. You know, especially with us, we're um, we're in the our culture. It's just put everything under the carpet and not talk about yeah. nothing. You know, uh, and then you explode. You know, yeah. uh, you need to talk reach out, ask for help and understanding that it's not weakness, mm. you know. Cool. And just to follow oh, up on that, wow. I was going to ask, with everything you've gone through, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of, a lot of things to unpack there. And I just wonder in terms of things like, um, you know, what do you think about the role of uh, counselling and things like that? Or are you meaning in terms of talking with family and, and friends to support? Or do you mean... Um, do you also advocate for things like counselling? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, cool. um, I'm very good friends with Mike King, and what the work that they do is, is amazing. Um, sometimes you don't feel um, you're too shy to speak to your family about things. Sometimes you want to speak about your family. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you definitely got a um, counsellors. That's why in the, when we do this village, it'll have free counsellors, everything free, and then you know we'll have free lawyers, everything. Mm. You know. Anyone that's made it from here, and this will be the place that they can come back and give back. Cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Pray into that dream. Mm. Yeah, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. What you're doing, was, I, I, and I'm always conscious for time as well. So I know you're a very busy, man. I know you need to. You talked about balancing getting back home to, to your, your your wife and your beautiful kids. Um, any any last questions, Ussos? Any? Nah, not a question. I just wanted to honor the work that you do. Also, um, 
not an expert at this, but I just know like as the community needs you, and I know you're resilient. But um, I just pray that you f- find time for you just to fill your cup, and um, just thank you for just being that voice for our people, um, and being a pioneer, and being a spearhead. Because you know spearheads need to go and break through, so the rest can follow mm. through. And and you're one of those, and I I can't wait to help um, support the campaign when you do run for mayor <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to honor the work that you do also and continue to pray for you and BBM movement. And yeah, yeah bless you. Thank you so much for oh, being thank on you, the. I don't know. Yeah, I just want to say I'm I'm one of those statistics man in South Auckland with you know that. Are waiting for the stars to align. Um, yeah, and so I just wanted to big ups to, to the work and the movement and um, sort of offering some insight into the sacrifice that goes on. I think that was something that I learned about you today that I just, I would never have guessed behind the scenes um, how much demand this takes on your time, um, how much it takes you away from family and, and then sometimes the things that you want to do. Um, so I just wanted to say how, how appreciative um, I am for, for your example and for the mahi that you do. So yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, That's thank awesome. Dave, I think a lot of men would appreciate what, you just, what you've been saying. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, how, how did he do it? How did he how? And just you being honest and sharing with us and being open and honest about it, man, it just speaks volumes also. And I love the fact that it's, it is the hard grind. The hard mm-hmm. grind, you continue to go, you continue to push through, and you don't shy away from who you are and your convictions. And so also, thank you so much for your time. But um, also, is there someone is there, is there someone that you could think of that would be ideal for, to come on the, the podcast off the top of your head? Who do you think would be? Uh, I think, you know, you'd get my father on. Or, um, nice. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and uh, uh, Andrew Hofflich, you know, he, um, he does a really great story and the work that he's doing now. Wow, and the, yeah, the, I mean, that'd be the two that I'd pick. Cool, oh, awesome. but, um, yeah, you know, before we finish, I just want to thank thank you guys for getting me on and uh, letting me share. But uh, just to everyone out there watching, I just always want to share my um, the four pillars of what I the way that I live. Um, and it's n- no, number one is just starting, like you were saying. You know, you're waiting for the stars to align. Yeah. Don't wait. You know, just start. You know, so many people uh, that I've visited in hospital, and, and and we all think it'll never happen. Just mm. just around health, we all mm. think it'll never happen to us until it does. And every single person that I've visited, and some never made it out, they'd give absolutely anything to have an opportunity to go back in time and start. So while you have that opportunity, don't waste it. You know, yeah. Start. Second thing is being consistent. Mm. Understand that no one's perfect, and life does suck, and sometimes life sucks more than it's any good. And you will get told no, you will get doors closed on you, and you will constantly get knocked down. But every time you get knocked down, what are you going to do? Get back up. Get back. Mm. 100%. If I'd stayed down you know i just think about the ripple effect now of you know of what would have happened if i stayed down there'd be people who'd be no longer here there'd be you know it just blows my mind so you know in in terms of professionally if you think that success is only just around the corner but if you keep giving up you'll never know you'll never get there you'll never realize success because you constantly give up you know third thing is surrounding yourself with good people you know, it's very simple. If you surround yourself with five idiots, what does that make you? You know, <laughs> you're the sixth idiot. <laughs> you surround yourself with people um, that are only there for you, nice. not because of what you can do for them, 
you know, and, and surround yourself with five successful people, five people that are on the grind, on the same, they have the same purpose as you, they want to be successful, I guarantee you'll be the successful person, you know. And uh, I, I talked about it with Phil, a guy called uh, that I've helped that's lost like 150 kilos. He was, um, when he first started, I said, anyone that you're hanging out with now that is inviting you out to eat and drink, knowing you're nearly dead, you need to cut them. You know, and if they are your friends, they'll support you. And if if they don't support you, then they'll never be your friends. So who gives a fuck about them? Mm, you know, yeah. cut them. Um, only surround yourself with five with, with successful people. I keep my circles big, but it's small. You know, like yeah, yeah. the people that I really allow in is small. You know, mm. um, and then you've got and then no excuses. That's the last one. That never yeah. let excuses stop you. Our people are filled with excuses. I hear mm. them all the time. Mm. You know, but the, you can say no excuses easy. Jim's mm. use it as mantras all the time, but to truly live by it, you know, um, you've got to have a very strong purpose, a very strong why, you know. Mm. And so, you know, I'd encourage the men or anyone out there listening to write down some meaningful things to you and try and choose one, you know, and it should be quite hard choose one thing and write that one thing and put it everywhere in your house. The first wall you look at when you open your eyes, put it there, laminate it and put it on your shower, put it on your fridge, put it in your cupboards, put it in your car, put it at work, everywhere. So when your times get tough and you're thinking of giving up, you can look at that, stare at it and visualize why you must keep going. Mm. You know, That's your deep down meaningful why. If, 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 if that why is strong and if it truly is your why, it won't always work. It won't always stop you going to KFC, you know what I mean, when you shouldn't, you know. And, and just on that, it's nothing wrong with having a treat. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm not saying never eat it. I, you know, I, I enjoy myself. I have a treat, a couple of treats a week, whatever, whatever it is. But if you're treating yourself daily, it's no longer a treat. It's just the way you eat. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you yeah, keep yeah. yourself in check. But if you fall off and if you have a bad day and if you get knocked down, your why won't always stop you from going through that, but it should always get you back on the wagon. Yeah. And if it doesn't get you back on the wagon, it was never your why. Wow. So go back and go back to your list and study it again. Because for me, when I started, I'd visualize I'm at the edge of a cliff and I'm holding my kids' hands, you know, and I'll never let go, you know, and I visualize that feeling is what I'd harnessed, you know, when times got tough. Now, of course, it's not always like that, you know, like, Sometimes you don't need it. Oh, when you wake up and it's cold, oh, I gotta think of my kids. Sometimes it's like, oh man, I'll just have a nice coffee after. You know, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh God, that, that, that gym there next door has a nice porridge. You know, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't have to always be deep and meaningful. Yeah. But you, for those hard times, it needs to be deep and meaningful. Yeah. You know, for those tough times in life, you need to have that real strong why and purpose. And with that, you can overcome anything. Man, hey, also, thank you so much for your time, Moose. Um, but we do have a gift for, for you, uh, Moose. And so, every, every guest that comes on, we always give them a bit of a caricature or a sketch. Um, oh, awesome. Um, this is on behalf of, of the Mandate team. This is for you, Moose. Oh, mean. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your and just your, your, your nuggets. And so, we appreciate it, <laughs> I thought my body would look a bit more like The Rock. <laughs> 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 That's cool, man. I love it. Thank you very much. Uh, also, thank you so much. But well, we have a we have a mantra here as well, um, also. So our mantra is refine, unlock, take, take charge. charge. Thank you, David Tilly.